You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter. Didn't sit in the back of the bus that day. About the third stop from where I boarded the bus, there there were some white people got on, and they took all the front seats and left one man standing. And when the driver saw this man standing up, white man, yes, he was white. Mm-hmm. He didn't the the passenger didn't ask for the seat at all. It didn't say anything, but just found a place to stand. The driver noticed him standing, and that is when he told the four of us to let him have those seats, which meant the four of us would have been standing, and then this man would, could only occupy one seat, and then there would be three vacant seats. Because you weren't supposed to sit next to a white man. That was, that was the rule then. So you did not get up? No, I did Do you didn't. know why? Yes, because why? I didn't think I should have to get up. I had already paid my fare, and I'm sure he didn't pay any more than I did. And I didn't think that once we take a seat, even in uh, under segregation uh, conditions, that we should be made to stand up in, in a crowded bus. Operation Rosa Parks. We have to make sure we keep history in order. Can I help you? Are we actually leaving? Not in a million years. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who, and on tonight's episode, we will be reviewing Rosa, the third episode of Series 11 of Doctor Who. And who are we? I am Kyle Jones, and joining me on this podcast, Lee Shackelford. Mr. Shackelford, how are you? I am very well indeed. So looking forward to this conversation tonight. So me too. very glad to be with you. Me yeah. too, and glad to have you, my friend. Thank you. Also joining me again on this podcast, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? I'm doing great, man. And uh, uh, like Lee, I'm glad to be on with you guys and to tackle this <laughs> very emotional episode. Indeed. For anyone listening, we are glad that you're here. This is our third of the Series 11 reviews. We have reviewed the, of course, The Woman Who Fell to Earth. We have reviewed the Ghost Monument, the second episode, and now here we are with Rosa, which is, of course, the third episode. So, Lee, I want you to kind of go through something that you found interesting that you wanted to talk about on the viewing figures. Yeah, for um, I, I told you that I've, I've gotten a, a morbid obsession with reading all the bad news and the hate about uh, season 11 that I get out there on social media and just uh, <laughs> listen to people wham on this show. And uh, and a lot of what they're saying is uh, this this stinks and they've ruined Doctor Who and nobody is going to watch this. And anybody who tuned on this now would just walk away. Um, they're wrong because – they're emphatically wrong because the the viewing numbers have been uh, amazing. And, well, a lot of them were jumping on the fact that the viewing numbers were down for Rosa. And they're saying, you see? Well, they were also competing with the Formula One racing, which is, a, which is a very big deal for a lot of people in the BBC audience. 
And so all of the shows that are on in that time slot suffered, including The Chase, which is funny because that show is hosted by Bradley Walsh. So Bradley Walsh is actually competing against himself anyway, that he's, he's, he's on two different shows at the same, same time slot. But, uh, the BBC says, let's see, they were down to a mere, uh, 6.39 million viewers on BBC One, which is still a third of everybody who's watching TV in the UK. Okay. And that, and that's because they were up against Formula One racing, which took five and a half million viewers out of normal circulation. If social media is any indication, the people who have been time shifting, the people who recorded it or are going to see it through other means are going to more than make up for that loss. So mm. that's a prediction just based on their experience of social media and what it, how it represents in terms of viewing numbers. Rosa may yet turn out to be the most watched episode of the season so far. Um, in mm. any case. So th- I, I thought that's very interesting. Well, uh, I don't think. Yeah, well, I am going to say you're wrong about possibly, you may possibly, I'm not sure because the final yeah. viewing figures right. we don't, aren't in. And it but, takes a while. But I do know that you, it's quite possible that you may be wrong about the highest one of the season, because, but I'll get to that in just a moment. <laughs> I have a, a curious question for you guys. The Doctor Falls, which was the finale of series 10, with the Tenth Doctor and Bill Potts and Nardle, I think I'm pretty confident, or I know I'm pretty confident in saying the three of us really enjoyed the Doctor Falls. Am I right in that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all yeah. right. So for viewing figures, and this is you know not overnight. This is the entire UK, you know, cumulative consolidated viewing figure. And tell me again that number that you just said, Lee, for Rosa. Um, their best guess right now is 6.39 million viewers. Oh, 6.39. Okay. Yeah. The Which doc- incidentally is more than anything in season 10. Bingo. Because yeah. the Dr. Falls was 5.6. Yeah. Now, wow. the, the pilot, however, did inch out just a little bit. It had 7.24. But right. still, 5.6, and I love the Dr. Falls. That was a fantastic episode to me. Uh-huh. And to even go back a little bit further, when you go and you look at the 2015 series, the uh, series with Clara leaving, the cumulative score or rating on it was just a little bit, but only just a little bit higher, 6.86. So I don't think the ratings are slipping in the least. No, no. So, But you will. If you go out there on social media and you look around for it, you will find people saying, this show stinks, they've ruined it, and nobody is going to watch it. And they're wrong. They're just wrong. All right. Well, before we move on, let me say how right you are, because I was reading the other day and I was looking at viewing figures of first Doctor episodes, only taking the first, not like the season premiere, but in, you know, the old days, the Doctor may regenerate mid-season. So I'm going by viewing figures of the first Doctor episode post-regeneration. And the 13th Doctor's premiere beats out all previous Doctors. Wow. Wow. And that's in the days before the Internet. Yes, exactly. She narrowly, she's like 10.9 million. And the return in 2005 
I think was 10.89, but still 90 and 89, that's a point difference. You yeah. still beat out the ninth doctor's uh, first appearance. I don't have any news. I think this episode is our news. Are you guys good with let's just <laughs> skipping the news section? Yeah, when we don't have any news. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. <laughs> good way to put it. There's not much else to do. All right. Cool. So for anyone listening, if you have not seen Rosa, put us on pause because from henceforth, spoilers. 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 So the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are reviewing Rosa, which again is the third episode of the 11th series of Doctor Who. It aired on the 21st of August 2018 and is written by Chris Chibnall and Mallory Blackman. What I found really interesting was something that Mallory Blackman put on her Twitter feed, I believe Sunday night or the 22nd, which whenever that was. And she said, just came online to see my Twitter feed has blown up. Thanks to all of those who said they loved Rosa. My favorite comments are those which said the episode opened up a conversation with their children. Cool. So yeah. guys, Summary view and Clarence, I'll let you take this one first because I've been babbling for a while. <laughs> what do yeah, you think? Uh, summary view. Uh, I very much enjoyed it. It struck a lot of chords for uh, obvious reasons with me, and um, I-, I loved how it was sort of like a history lesson as well. Um, some details that people may know but may not, you know, uh, are very intimate with know the details of the matter as written as witnessed by Ryan in this episode. Uh, so I love how it calls, uh, uh, into, to showing, showing us the history of the matter and, you know, having fun with it. Uh, cool. There are some things, some things I wish were maybe explained a little bit more, but those have nothing to do with the historical aspects of this episode. Mm. It had, had a little bit more to do with the, uh, antagonist in the episode. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to get into it, man. I enjoyed it. All right, Lee, what about you? Uh, the same, same. I've got uh, strong personal connections to this uh, historical story and uh, for a variety of reasons. And um, so my it, it, my my antenna were all out. You know, I, I was ready to be hurt by uh, uh, the the episode bungling this story or somehow. I don't know. I, I just thought that there were so many ways it could go wrong. And um, and it's worth pointing out. For people who want to go back and listen to our previous episode of the show, Kyle totally called it, didn't he? No, I actually didn't. I was actually 100% wrong. Oh, really? Yes. No, because I was afraid that we were going to come into the story on December 1st, and you said, what if we're oh. going to come into the story before? Okay, well, I'm 50% wrong, because I really <laughs> thought that what would happen is at the end, she would be going to the bus, or that they knew no. she was going to the bus that we never would experience what oh, yeah. we ah, experienced. That's, that's a detail. No, the big stroke of it was go back and listen. You said maybe the whole story is going to be about somebody trying to change history and yep. our team is going to be trying yep. to get her on the bus. Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not going to sure take, it happens. I'm not, I'm <laughs> no, not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. No. Or whatever. <laughs> you, you completely called it. Okay. Yeah, cool. you did. And, uh, 
and you know, uh, because we've sounded the spoiler running, we can talk about things out of, out of sequence. I was hoping that that's what it was going to be. And I was gratified when it turned out that's what it was going to be, but I did not see the, the almost city on the edge of forever kind of twist that the people sitting in the white section of the bus, it were going to include the doctor and Yaz and Graham. Yeah. So by staying there, they were going to make this event happen. And Graham, it, oh, it, cost, it cost him to do that. And oh, I thought yeah. that was, that was genius. That was really genius. It really was. And, and, oh man, this is like getting ahead of us, but how it managed to, of course, we know the story of Rosa Parks. We've felt that impact over all of these years. We we know that story. We felt for it. But man, to have that flip on Graham, ooh, exactly. <laughs> He's here. <Yeah. laughs> right. This this episode. Okay, so this episode, when I watched it, there there were a couple of times specifically that I kind of like, you know, had that you know uh, kind of took your breath away moment. But it, it, it it's uh, interesting. It it seemed to have more of a impact to me the second time I watched it than the first time. And I'm curious if if it did for you guys in in, in a similar way or or not. I had a lot of distractions going on when I watched it the second time, so it's probably it's not a fair <laughs> test. Ah, but gotcha. I, I was deeply deeply moved by it the first time. And um, gotcha. Uh, I don't know. There's just so much I could say about this episode. I, so I'm, I'm, all right. Well, then why don't we'll, we? We'll get to all the main points. Right? All right. Well, let's start at the beginning, and we yeah. see. And I want to actually mention a technical aspect of the show. Bef- and by literally saying, "Let's start at the beginning," this yeah. is the second episode in a row where we start with the credits, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I really like teaser. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, after we see the credits, we see the TARDIS materializing. Do you guys notice, and Clarence, I'll ask you this question first. Does it look like they've updated the materialization or does it just looks different to me? Yeah, I did immediately notice that now that you mentioned it. It seemed like the windows appeared before uh, a few seconds before anything else, which made it feel just a bit different. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it though. I liked how they did it. Um, I'll just add as well. I did notice that the TARDIS, man, it looks really beat up. <laughs> and, um, I, I get obviously that's intentional, I guess, but it just looks really beat up right now. I don't know. A lot of I mileage. Guess the shade of blue. Yeah. A lot of mileage, like they mentioned <laughs> in the episode. So yeah, I don't know. What about you guys? How did you feel about it? Uh, Lee, what do you think? Um, about that. Oh, I, I had noticed this before and I'm kind of thinking that we've even seen it, um, last season is that like this effect where the TARDIS briefly becomes transparent. Mm. Um, so that you can sort of see the outline of it and nothing else. Uh, I noticed that when it was dematerializing on the, uh, the planet at the end of uh, ghost monument. Yeah. That was the first time I noticed it in that particular mm-hmm. effect. I would call it, I do know that when w- there was the uh, magician's apprentice and the uh, which is familiar that that two parter there's a scene where the tardis kind of materializes around the doctor and i think clara but mm. but 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 not to that same shimmer 
like effect, but I, I think yeah. that may be what you're referring to. Uh, yeah, yeah, something, something to look forward to. But um, this episode actually begins in the 40s, though, before we saw the TARDIS yeah. uh, dematerialize. Yes. Um, uh, a, a, another true event and um, one that is easy to forget as being part of the Rosa Parks story. But but it is in my short play, Two Kinds of Tired, copyright 2008. Huh. Lee Jacobert. Um, <laughs> but and and that was James Blake driving that bus. Uh, really? Who? Yes. Who 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 made her get off and try and to get in, go in through the colored entrance in the rain. And then he didn't open the door and he drove off. And she said, I'll never write. I'll never get on that man's bus again. Wow. Wow. OK. 12 so years probably before adds yeah. another layer. Yeah. And, and I did read and I didn't know this until I researched it. That, that very year she became the um, secretary for the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP. Yeah, and I guess this is jumping ahead a little bit, but one of the criticisms that I have read, you know, because I'm, like I say, focusing on all the hate on this, is that people are saying that they couldn't buy this episode because while it was attempting to be realistic, it would then suddenly veer off into the absurd. And the thing that people were pointing to and saying was absurd was that Ryan could follow Rosa to her home and that when we got there, Dr. King and Fred Gray are going to be there. Wait, they were all like friends though, aren't they? Yes. And, <laughs> and they were saying, you know, that's that's outrageous. And I understand, I guess I understand why it would seem that way. But no, that's exactly what used to happen, that, that the NAACP and the whole civil action um, movement in Montgomery in, the, in 1955, they were meeting in people's homes where, you know, where else were they going to? Exactly. It's not like you're going was, to say, hey, look, look, we're over here. We're, we're exactly. Yeah. We're, we're the rebel underground. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was, and, and particularly Fred Gray and, uh, and Dr. King, who were very likely to be at her house at any, any given time. So, you know, I, but I, I said, yeah, I understand why that seems kind of unlikely, but the truth is, you know, yeah, yeah. I've met Fred Gray, by the way. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> but so when he, and he didn't get a line in the show, you know, but when they said, and this is Fred Gray, I said, what? <laughs> uh, and um, I also mentioned from that first sequence we have there is that, um, as Lee mentioned, the blacks had to enter through the back of the bus, which, mm-hmm. uh, man. And also what I noticed, uh, again, I didn't notice that was James Blake at first, but the bus driver is carrying a gun. Yep. And, and I'm like, that doesn't compute. So I, of course, I did some more research Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, bus drivers carried, uh, black jacks and guns. Yes. Uh, and there's very, there's many notable events of, of bus drivers actually assaulting, assaulting blacks in that era as well. But, you know, they, they had a a good amount of authority, (laughs) uh, back in the day, which is just really weird to look at. Now on screen to see a bus driver mm-hmm. with a strapped with a gun. That's I love fun. I love that shot uh, following uh, Blake down the down the aisle of the bus and it's right at his hip level. So the gun yeah. is right in the, in the frame there. See, yeah. and I was oblivious to that. I I was I don't know what where I was. I never even noticed the gun. Good eyes because yeah. I did not notice it. And you know, and and being somebody who from Alabama, you know, I was born six years after this this incident. So you know, it, it was still I was still in the segregation era South. You know, and uh, I can answer Yaz's question for her. She's supposed to be sitting in the back. Yeah. Okay. That that's a, that's another big argument that some people who you know may be fussing about this episode would probably have. And I know it struck. 
me is weird, but she makes the statement that, oh, he let me in through the front. I can uh, sit in the front. Right. Which so, I can buy to a certain right. extent. No, I think and I think that was brilliant. It's it's a wonderful thing to have somebody of Pakistani descent there because as she says, she's gonna be the only one in Montgomery in nineteen fifty five. Yeah. And and somebody like Blake literally doesn't know what to do with that. So yeah. um so it raises this whole question about being light enough to pass. See, and, yes. and, and, so on. And, and, but, and I think that's the brilliance of, of it right there. You hit Yeah, it. exactly. Yep. Well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, though, she wasn't any lighter than Rosa. Uh, so I think that's a good point. Definitely a good point. And lightness does make a difference. But but what it made me think of and made me actually want to research because I realized I don't know much about this. You know, they kept constantly referring to her as Mexican. Yeah. And and it made me think, like, what? What is the the Mexican uh, reaction or uh, treatment in the Jim Crow South? Um, yeah. How were they treated? And, and I'm just oblivious to it because I haven't heard much, if any, history of that um, in my 39 years. So I'm ashamed <laughs> to say. So yeah, let me. Well, um, the way I was brought up was that white is white and everybody else is colored. And that's why you say colored. Ah, so, so just so, as a, if you don't mind, let me make a disclaimer for anyone listening who may be new to the show. <laughs> it, the three of us, um, you know, Clarence, myself, and Lee, really and truly in different generations and different ages, but, but within a, I would say 15 year gap of when mm-hmm. all of us were born one way or the other, were born in the two states in Mississippi. I mean, excuse me, in the United States, Mississippi and Alabama, for which this story is either referenced or takes place. So mm-hmm. I think if any of anybody has the right to make opinions about this, the three of us do. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've written two plays about, um, d- December 1st, 1955, and I've spent a lot of time researching this. So uh, even, even as a, as a white boy of privilege, um, it's still something that I, you know, have educated myself on and know a lot about. Uh, and man, are the historical details right in this? They, they really—I want to say—they really did their homework. They did the same homework I did. But I, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's little things that you would think wouldn't matter. When Rosa introduces her husband, she introduces him as Pox, and that's right. That's what she called him. She called her husband Parks. Oh wow! Um, and I was talking last week about the accent, and she, what is this actress's name? I said I was going to look out for her. Anyway. She nails it, man. It is perfect. And of course, there's lots of recordings of Rosa talking. So, yeah. you know, she, she's got plenty of reference to study. But, you know, I was talking about that little ER oi thing last time. Right. And she, she asks uh, Ryan, you know, uh, how, how are you at soy and coffee? <laughs> you can, you can soy that coffee now. That's it exactly. <laughs> and she says later on, you know, when she's fixing the doctor's coat, she says, you know, any job worth doing is worth doing well. Yeah. Worth. I said, oh. <laughs> Uh, I, I love you, whoever you are. <laughs> Vivette, uh, let's see, what, what yes. was her name? And she has actually appeared on Doctor Who before. I read that. She, no, she I... appeared, her name is, um, let's see here. Where is it? Um, okay, I can't, I, at the moment, I can't see it. And, and I, I had it written down earlier. Um, any, well, she, but she has appeared, I believe, in the episode. Uh, 42, and it yes. is written also by Chipnell. Right. Vinette Robinson. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, she's also from Yorkshire, you know, so. 
Or you go, oh, I know. That's where I know her from. Yeah, she was also in uh, the early episodes of Sherlock, too. I mean, ah, got you. Copper. Yeah. So I want to c- talk about a scene that is right after they arrive. They're getting out of the TARDIS. They're walking. And this is one of the ones that just kind of took my breath away. You see, you know, the, t- the, the TARDIS land, you see the doctor say, Hey, this is where we are. This is when we are. They go outside, they emerge and you see them walking down, you know, down a street. This lady drops her handkerchief. Ryan, I thought, you know, is just being a gentleman doing what he would do without even thinking about it, picks it up, hands it back to her. And then we have that scene. Uh, either one of you, uh, I'm, uh, who wants to take it? Man, holy crap. <laughs> Welcome to 1955. Man, how far have we come? Jeez. Yeah, I, I just, you know, like, oh, delete expletive at my television. <laughs> I wondered if happened. that was the moment that you, you, you said that you had shouted out at one point. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. Yeah, this was it, man. It, it hit me because, uh, of course, we mentioned before Bill having that experience um, in thin ice. And but for some reason, it felt like not only in this moment, but even in later moments in this episode, it felt like they didn't shy away from what is obviously very hard issues. And right here, they just put you right in the middle of it. And, you know, an altruistic deed uh going punished at this moment and and uh wow it's, it just hit me like a ton of bricks so let me let me ask you this before lee makes his comment because you just made me think of something and i don't want to sound um in, insensitive to the scene with um bill and the and you know the 1800s or whenever it was but i wonder if what made this Scenes so impactful are, are raw for back, for lack of a better word is we don't walk around dressed like they did in the 1800s. We could picture ourselves walking down a street in Alabama or Mississippi or wherever. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that adds a level of rawness to it because it, it's so dis, you know, it's, it's scenery that you could walk out your door and see to some to some extent mm-hmm. um that's that's possible but also i feel like in this episode they just do not shy away from the hard issue and maybe you guys can talk about classic a, a bit more but but it seems like in times past these issues that are faced in this episode are glossed over or pushed to a side or kind of just um you know totally just not even talked about but but um again like this hit me like a ton of bricks and and Ryan could be me <laughs> that could be me walking down this street and and trying to do a good deed and 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 to see it go awry so yeah it, impactful Lee what say ye no I I think you're both right it really does I think that a lot of it is because it does seem familiar that we're on the earth this is a well, I mean, that ice is on Earth, but you know, we're we're in the we're we're in a time that we all, to some extent, remember. Um, and yeah, to me, it was like if it was the three of us, and Clarence, you know, picked up somebody's glove that they dropped and then got hit in the face for it. It's what? Huh? Yeah. 
and it's and it's the very first thing that happens for for them in the episode too. It's like mm. <laughs> that's why I said welcome to 1955. It's like hey, you're yeah. wondering what's going to be like here. That's what it's like. Get back in the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and that's what the doctor says too. Look, yes, just <laughs> what what do we think about that? Does the doc has the doctor ever done that? Be like, okay, it's safer for you in the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, well, I'm, but maybe not for these reasons. Um, mm. No, not like that. No, or, or maybe it could be yeah. a woman, or you know, mm. what in a certain situation. Right. What, I know the sense of danger, but I guess this is dangerous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, it is. It's, oh mm. man! But you know, something that we've not mentioned in this scene, you know, and and Graham completely just instinctively not thinking of where he is, and most importantly when he is, instinctively says, without even a hint of hesitation, this is my grandson. Yeah, that's what's important to him. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and to comment on what you said, Clarence, in regards to, um, you know, going, you know, you guys go to the TARDIS, you know, it's safer there. The line that he says, if she can live here her whole life, meaning Rosa, if she can live here her whole life, a couple of hours ain't going to kill me. And then he says, oh, unless it does, unless it does, right? <laughs> oh, oh, it won't, will it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah when, when Rosa intervenes and she mentions Emmett Till to him, she, she feels sure they'll know who he's talking about. The murder of Emmett Till was just four months before this. Yeah. Which Mississippi got mentioned. Yeah. Um, we should be right. about that in situation. But, well, I have to ask a, a question to the who story is here. Uh, has Mississippi ever been mentioned in a Doctor Who episode before? Hmm. You know, I don't know. Calling I know. Uh, out to uh, our friend Dave Cooper. Dave Cooper, can you answer that question for us? <laughs> and a shout yeah. out to the Cultum Collective. That's right. Well, it is true that we've now heard of uh, Alabama twice, and it's been full of uh, uh, white yokels uh, both times. So, um, But, you know, it's also got people like Rosa Parks in it, uh, so... You know, I would not have wanted to have played the husband in that opening scene. No. I just, I don't know. I just, I mean, that, that man is a good actor for a, even taking the part. Cause I would not have wanted to have been that character. Yeah. I have uh, one of my great friends, a uh, former student, even uh, named uh, Andrea Frankel. And she was one of the uh, stars of the USA series underground. And she was one of the plantation ladies. And so it was sort of her job to, be cruel to the slaves and to use the N-word frequently and so on. And she the last time that I saw her in person, we were talking about that. And she said, it's so, it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. Just to, you know, when the, when the, when the director says cut, just to turn to everybody or in you in the scene and say, I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. I just, I don't. And they're saying, look, you, you know, those are the lines you're saying, you know, you're saying the lines. I know. I just, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's hard. So, you know, um, another thing that got, you know, I, I, I want to mention, cause I mean, this is a hard episode to talk about, but a insightful and a historical, like literally episode to talk about the scene in the diner. Yeah. You know, where we see, um, you know, they sit down again out of complete just being used to the way things are now. And, and having the woman call and come up and say what she did when Ryan re responded, um, and I'm not going to say what she said and I'm not, and I'm not going to say how he responded, but when 
when she said what she said, when, and he made a joke responding back to her, or, or I won't say a joke, more of a, but it was a sarcastic response, which I think he had a right to by all means. But at one point I was like, oh crap, this is his second <laughs> time of saying something. Mm-hmm. Oh crap. Yeah. 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 Why is he now asking for trouble? Yeah. And, 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 and I don't mean it like, you know, he was asking cause, cause he w- wasn't, but in the, in the minds of those people, and here I am saying those people, but in the yeah. minds of <laughs> the other people, Our noble ancestors. <laughs> yes. Well, I won't call them noble, but, uh, <laughs> by the, in the minds of the people beside the four people that, I would have an association with in that room, except for the people who were perhaps in the back. I was just could only imagine what was going through their head at that point. And I don't want to imagine what was going through their head. Yeah. So let's yeah. go, go ahead. No, I'll just add, like, I do love in that scene. Um, I love the Yaz's knowledge of the civil rights movement. I thought that was really impressive in that scene being an, British Indian? Am I getting that right? Or just yeah, she's, yeah, she's from Pakistan. Yeah, but but if she's British, yeah, what? I, Did again, she say Pakistani? I, yeah. Oh, okay, huh. okay. <laughs> In any case, um, I I I love her knowledge of of um the civil rights movement there as Ryan stumbled through mm-hmm. <laughs> through some of the details, which I can understand, you know. Sure. Um. But yeah, how much, I, how much British history of the fifties do you know? Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I thought that was really impressive. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk really quick, and let's kind of change the um, direction of our story or of our, or of, of our conversation for a moment. We meet our villain Crasco with his vortex manipulator. Yeah. What do you guys think of Crasco just as a villain in general? What what did you think of him? Well, I was intrigued. Uh I I like the fact that he's uh he's uh, beautiful and poised, you know. He he looks like he can get away with anything. So with the vortex manipulator on his wrist, I thought immediately of of Captain Jack. So uh, yeah, pretty boy traveling through time. Mhm. Uh I I, and I like the idea that this, for him, this is all about that. What, what he's been thinking about in storm cage is, um, uh, <laughs> his sort of reinventing white supremacy or rediscovering it in himself. Uh, cause he, he, he thinks of this day as the day everything started to go wrong. And, and I think that's interesting. A number of people have complained that they, uh, don't think that he had sufficient motivation to be doing what he's doing. And I, I got to disagree with that. I mean, a deeply held racist view. Yeah, I like. Hey, wake up! Mm. That will that will drive people to do all kinds of things. What do you mean he doesn't have? They wanted more backstory. They want to know why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, like, I know why he's doing what he's doing. Mm. <laughs> what do you think, Clara? <laughs> oh man, I, I feel like I'm on the other side on this one. I feel like that while I like his how he was executing his plan, you know, kind of steer things slightly in a different direction somewhere in the past. I still don't know if I understood his full motivation. Um, I get what you're saying, why he's doing it uh, to a certain extent, but maybe my problem is more with his character in general. I think maybe just a a two minute scene uh, of him maybe escaping from prison or showing his motivations or something a little more clearly uh, would have aided in my, um, belief of his character 
Uh, I loved everything he was doing, how he was, um, how he couldn't really harm anybody, but he was yet and still, he found a way to, to shift things in a different direction. I actually loved that in this episode, but again, like I really didn't fully comprehend the motivation and they never tried to really explain it in the episode that that may be the problem um, that that I'm feeling is that they never really went to uh, any length to try to 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 explain it fully. Hmm. So my comments twofold um, following up on what Clarence said in regards to seeing him escape. I would have very much loved to have seen him escape. I would have very much loved perhaps to have seen maybe some of the other inmates at the prison, which was called Storm Cage, because no. I would have loved to have seen Why one. Why would you want to see that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if I were to tell you, I think that might cool. be a spoilers. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, because that's where River was uh, imprisoned. So that, that, in itself, I think would, would have been cool. But my original thought on this villain before Clarence said about the escape was for me, he was the most for lack. No, there's no lack of a better word. He was the most disgusting part of this entire episode, even more so than the guy that slapped for me, even more so than the people and the diner, any of that. This man is from the freaking future hundreds and thousands of years or whatever in the future and you're still a freaking racist yeah yeah after all this time yes that that to me was the most disturbing one of the most disturbing if not the most disturbing thing is you've got aliens you've got planets you've got universes you've got knowledge of people that can go through time. And what do you do with it? You go and try to make yourself more superior. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I, I think maybe even just a line of dialogue. He talked about how he committed the mass murder on the 2000 people. Maybe if they would have explained that was racially motivated, maybe I would have been like, oh, OK, this dude here right here, he's <laughs> he's a real racist guy. You know, but I, I just didn't feel that fully. I don't yeah. know why either. No, I think that's a great point. And, and, and uh, there are a couple of things about this episode that bugged me. And I think a single line of dialogue would have fixed them. So that's that's and that would have been the place for that line, too. I think you're right. If, if we'd known why he killed those people who they were. That would have changed everything. Mm. So let me ask you a question. And I know he had a lot to do with the um, story. But let me ask you guys this. If we would were to adjust the story just a little bit and you have the TARDIS, this is the first time it's materialized since it's come back into sync. And it, we've seen. Well, actually, the sixteenth time. Ah, uh, the sixteenth. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In a row. Forgot about that. So let's say they leave that, leave that out, and they don't say that, and we see the the TARDIS land, and it can't go anywhere for a while, and they're stuck there, and they're pretty much the story is them surviving in 1955, and they just happen to be on the bus that night with Rosa Parks. And that part still plays out. But we don't have the villain of the week in Crasco. Would that have made it a better episode? Or was it okay the way that it is? No, I knew that there had to be some 
there had to be a monster of the week. And so I was happy with, with, with Crasco for that reason. Mm. What, do, what about you, Clarence? What do you think? Yeah, I think I was happy with what he was doing. Again, like, I, I love this idea of this guy who can't really kill or harm anything, but he can steer things in certain directions. So I loved him as a villain on that aspect, uh, aside from the problems I had with maybe his motivation. Um, and I, I think it's needed because what other reason would the doctor have to be <laughs> steering Rosa Parks' life in a certain direction at a certain point? You know, he said things wrong. We have to set them back right, which I thought was a wonderful play um, in this episode to to get things how they're supposed to be mm. or how they remember his. And, and I don't argue and I agree with you and I don't argue the point that it's wrong. I. I think if, just for me, I think if they would have had the villain of the week be racism, and that was the villain, and I know in a way, by Crasco, it kind of was. Yeah. yeah but- you know, but hey, I, I, I mean, it was good nonetheless, but, you know, I just thought that that would be kind of interesting. We have this scene, so I'm curious about something. We have this scene where they are in the um, hotel, and you see the whites only sign outside. They're in the hotel. Ryan and Yaz have to go through the back window. They're, you know, they're, they're in there. They're planning. And the doctor has this weird, um, magic marker or pen or whatever that erases itself. And there's yeah. this knock on the door and here comes the cop. Lee, curious. What did you think about the cop? Um, I, I know that guy. He, he is a, uh, a cartoon, uh, <laughs> Alabama small town cop, or, or, you know, Montgomery's not a small town, but, you know, um, and, um, that's another one of those, uh, stereotypes that's based on some solid fact, um, all about his power and, uh, all about his, uh, intimidating other people. And that feels good. And he's there, he's really being played for laughs. He's a real threat, but he's there for, a, a what turns into a funny scene. And I couldn't help thinking about, um, when I was a kid and didn't understand the connection with world war two, there were a lot of things on TV and movies that were laughing at the Nazis. And I look at that now. And I think for a long time, I thought, wow, it was a little soon to be, you know, treating them as a joke, but I didn't understand that Hogan's heroes and the producers were cathartic for people who had been through the war against uh, nationalism and fascism. Um, it was great to be able to laugh at the Nazis and here we are being able to laugh at this guy. And I think it serves exactly the same purpose. It's great to be able to, to have the distance to be able to laugh at this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 what I was thinking about. All right, Clarence, what about you? Um, I also think in that scene, uh, in addition to the things that Lee said, that I, I thought him coming in and questioning uh, Graham and the doctor was a great, um, I don't know if counterpoint is a word, but a different side of the argument uh, where Ryan is out there talking about having to, you know, sitting outside of the window, about having to hold his temper and go the extra mile to uh, not give him an excuse. And I think maybe that was a perfect point where they were showing um, how maybe a black person has to act with a cop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, my parents tell me all the time, go out, go out of your way to, 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 to be decent and not say anything vulgar. Of course they tell me that stuff in general life period, but, yeah, you know, right. 
But but if you're if you get stopped, <laughs> you don't want to give anybody an excuse. And that's what what I really kind of felt in in that little scene there, um, as well as you know the laughs that that Lee said, of course. Yeah. So and and I'll abbreviate this story. And I mean, I literally very very much abbreviate it. This one, I, I didn't find anything funny about it. This guy was not funny at all to me. And the reason I have that, and like I said, I will abbreviate this story very much. But when I was about 22, 23 years old, I was in my hometown and I was driving in my hometown. And I had a cop, a city policeman that was a part-time policeman that I would say Lee summed up perfectly when he said he had to show off his power. So he followed me around for about a mile or two before he turns his lights on and proceeds to stop me and then proceeds to question me about searching my car. And his questions were like, so why are you in this side of town this time of night? What are, what's your business over here? Why are you over here? Have you bought drugs? Have you done this? And... After all of these questions, after keeping me there on the side of the road for about 20 minutes, he informs me that I have ran a stop sign about five or ten stop signs ago, and that was why he stopped me. Not not after, and he said, well, I'm going to give you this ticket. Maybe you'll think twice about where you are next time after dark. So this guy was this cop was not funny to me at all. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think he's funny. Uh, the doctor and Graham winding him up is what's funny. Oh, 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 absolutely. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. That that now that was funny. And the 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 funny part for me for that was when uh, Graham put his hand on her shoulder and she's like, yes. <laughs> she just looks at him like, like what are you why doing? doing that? Yeah. So, but yeah, the, you know, that, 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 and that was in the nineties and this was in the fifties and it goes again and, and as a tie in to 2018 with Ryan and Yaz uh, talking about how, you know, she's called a terrorist at work or, you know, or, or is t- called that. And he's talking about how he is stopped, you know, twice as many times as his mates are. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, back in, um, when we were doing, when we were reviewing the ninth doctor episodes and we talked about the fact that, uh, when Rose is missing for a year and, um, they think that she's been, she's been murdered, you know, and of course Jackie is, you know, completely flipping out that we talked about the fact that if that had happened in America, Mickey would either be in jail or, <laughs> or he'd be dead. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> so we're just glad he wasn't, but, uh, I, I'm glad we're, we're, we're here because I wanted to talk about that conversation behind the bin because, uh, uh, some of the complaints I've heard about this episode, I thought were, were worth taking seriously because some people were saying this is the point where they really decided they didn't like this episode or they felt that it just got slow or boring. Mm-hmm. And it's because they felt they were being lectured to. And that, didn't bother me in the slightest because I feel so strongly that these are things that need to be said, but also because I, I wonder how many of our audience remember that this is supposed to be a show for the whole family. Yeah. And that if you're 
22 watching this and saying, this show isn't moving fast enough for me. I want someone else to blow up, you know, you want to say, Hey, let's dial back for a second. Remember that the, 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 the mission of this show in 1963 was to occasionally visit history and, and to, to teach the audience something about it. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, of course, it's a completely different show than it was in 1963. But I, I we I think that we learned a lot when we visited Charles Dickens, and I think we learned a lot when we visited Shakespeare. And help me out here, who all else? Mm. Um, well, we know, can learn a lot. Agatha now. Christie, yeah, yeah, Agatha Christie. Um, you know the guy that painted that. Uh, oh, Van Gogh. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. My God, yes, Vincent and the Doctor certainly. And yeah, so, yeah. Why would we not? pause here a moment to talk about what well, I, I think their problem was they were saying we stopped too often to talk about Rosa and what's going to happen on this particular night. But I thought, but, but that assumes that everybody in the audience already knows that's, yeah. and I don't think that's fair. Um, I don't know. Um, mm. Clarence, what do you think? I mean, why are people so worried about being informed about history? We got a great lesson of of uh, of who Steve Jobs is in this episode. That's and how right. are you going to hate that? How are you going to hate it? <laughs> a telephone. It plays music. It's a camera. It's a calendar. Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but but no, I mean, I think if any in, if any episode we're going to talk about these things, this is the episode you're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, they they mentioned you know having a black president. I don't think they said Barack's name specifically. No, no. Uh, so you know, not piss off everybody. <laughs> but but you know, I mean, they took. I think the moments they took to make these statements throughout this episode, I I felt like they flowed well. I didn't ever feel like we were breaking the episode to just throw in uh, these lines. Um, and it made sense in the context of this episode. So I don't know. I thought it was good. Well, you know, here's my thought. I enjoyed talking about, you know, seeing the TARDIS interior. I enjoyed being able to make sure I word something of I don't like it so I could insert the thing of all the doctors saying, you know, you've redecorated. I don't like it, which was <laughs> cool to me. Yeah. But I think it's a lot more monumental and a lot more of substance if the three of us can sit here and talk about something that is real that impacts people that impacted people's lives and impacted our own lives that's right did did you guys get the uh banksy reference yes <laughs> i had to look it up okay so tell me awesome. oh, okay all right yeah. so tell me what tell me what you're talking about or for anyone listening that may not know Banksy is an anonymous street artist in the UK. That's after my, you know, real quick Google search. <laughs> I'm sure I'm missing some points. Yeah, there. I'm famous for it. And and it's brilliant because um his, her, its, their work is um is quite striking and you know it has a very distinctive tile. But but so far nobody has figured out who this uh, who this artist is. Yeah. Could be and, the doctor. Uh, it could be. could be. So so I loved her playing with that, you know, because why not? And uh, speaking of such things, Elvis did have a mobile phone. He what? was one of the first. Yes, he was one of the first uh, civilians to carry around a, a, an army style uh, mobile phone. So um, that's something that I knew, you know, growing up here in here in the South. And uh, yeah, I remember that from the seventies. So um, wow. So yeah, now we know where he got it. Now we know where he got it. And it turns out to be handy because she can use it to call him and arrange 
a, uh, a special date with Frank Sinatra. And I, my, my wife and my daughter-in-law both mentioned this, that we love the fact the doctor could have just wound up that other, they, they, she and Yaz could have just gone and told a lie to this other <laughs> bus driver and gotten him on the cab and he'd gotten him out of the way. But she actually made sure that it's really going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're going to go to Vegas and they're really going to meet Sinatra because she wouldn't do that. She wouldn't just. <laughs> So I love it. It's just, you know, and that's a good example of, of one line of dialogue taking care of that. Speaking of bus drivers, Lee, you made a comment in our last episode about the guy that was the, you know, or yeah, really was the, you know, bus driver and said that yeah. he regretted that what had happened and that he was just doing his job. I don't know that he ever said he regretted what oh, happened. Okay. But that he was but just doing his job. He didn't like the fact that once Rosa was elevated practically to sainthood by many people, that made him the devil. And his feeling was, I was just doing my job. And well, here's my question. <laughs> I'm curious to know how much liberty was taken by the actor who played him because, yeah. wow, he looked like he enjoyed doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we certainly did not make him feel like he was being uh, reluctant at all. No, not in, uh, not in the very late. No, and you know he because we talked about the fact that these guys really were armed like that, so they they yeah. really were. They were like uh, um, uh, policemen without badges. They're basically vigilantes. <laughs> these bus drivers, <laughs> and and so you have to imagine that a certain amount of of cop swagger goes with that. Um, the the line, and I love the fact that um, well, I mean. This was written by Mallory Blackman, which in its which is in its own right is an amazing thing. She's the first woman of color to write for this series ever, wow. and she is a multiple award winning uh, young adult author. You know, I have not read her books, and, and after reading about them this week, I, I really feel I really want to because she's got some some fascinating ideas. You know, but one of the things that she takes special care with is that all of us who know the story well know that they're sort of this exchange between the, the bus driver and the passengers and Rosa, we know what exactly what was said. We know the exact words and she made sure they're in the script. And one of the things that Blake said, all witnesses there said was y'all better make it light on yourselves and move on back, <laughs> which, you know, is really thinly coated. Don't make me kick your ass. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's probably, so that is kind of who he was. Mm. Yeah. And, and I thought they would go in the opposite direction with that at first. But it's, it, after a few moments, I saw that they're, they were going to lean into it, especially when I, they were at the pool hall, uh, Graham and Blake. You know, I, he called him Jim. <laughs> I thought he's, they were going to make an effort to try to uh, humanize him just a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but, man, they just went in the other direction. Just a guy shooting fishing. pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, man, <laughs> poor guy. Well, I can't say poor guy, but I don't, yeah, but I don't know. Him. I don't know. Him. I'll just say, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I do love the idea that they can't fish at the same Creek. That's just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't, I never heard that one. <laughs> growing <laughs> up. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But you know, he, even that in itself, you know, Lee, you said you'd never heard that one. But yeah. in 1955, Alabama and Mississippi, I'm sure that a white man could sit there and say with no signs whatsoever, this is white only. 
Yeah, that's right. And it could yeah. be nothing but, otherwise. but a yeah. tree or it could be another right. than a, you know, a swamp or something. But if, you know, if I said it, that's so be it, you know, that's right. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the heat would be on Ryan to prove otherwise in that case. Yeah. 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 You just reminded me that in 1955, my dad was working in the coal mines and, uh, they were theoretically segregated. <laughs> you know, there were, there were different cars that the white and colored wow. miners would go down in. But you know, once you're in there in the dark and everybody's covered with coal dust, dad yeah. said, you know, very quickly, everybody's black. <laughs> and he <laughs> said, we all, we, exactly. And he said, we all showered together. And so it was, that's kind of funny. You'd come up and shower and little by little, you'd say, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I think that was a formative, you know, experience for him that it really, it, it sort of, <laughs> that deeply affected his view on the racial segregation, saying, this is really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm black down here, too. <laughs> you, you know, I wish, you know, I was sitting here thinking back over the episode, and I wished that they would have shown one person. And I know they only had 48, 50 minutes, but I wish they would have shown yeah. one person who was not your racist white person in Mississippi or Alabama. Yeah, it would have silenced a lot of the critics of this episode. But um, and, and, and I know you mean one white person. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes you wonder if that if that shot isn't on the cutting room floor somewhere. Um, it could have been somebody in the in that diner. Yeah. You know, who just, who just who just helped them out just a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are you bitter over it? No, I'm not. Why? Not at this time. Well, in fact, doing the our, uh, protest in Montgomery, we did have some white people who joined with you. Joined with us, and they suffered a great deal. And I felt that it was, in fact, Dr. Martin Luther King used to say himself that it was not a black and white issue, but it was right and wrong. Right, absolutely. So you didn't hold it against collectively all white people? That's true. I did not. What then did you do with your anger? I tried to use my anger. Uh, I tried to have as little anger as possible. But I tried to use it to tr help people who were suffering and many who were discouraged and did not have the courage to try to take a stand for themselves. Yeah, I don't know how, you know, because I don't know where you would have put it in the episode, but, yeah. but, 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 I mean, I, I can't believe that, you know, not there. Well, I know there, there, there were people who weren't like the guy that we saw at the beginning, you know, or, you know, the, the bus driver yeah. or whomever, but we just didn't see them. Yeah. And then this kind of goes back to a lot of things I see in these first few episodes. It's always these nuanced things that seems like are missing that could totally change or enrich the episode in a, in a way that would probably satisfy a lot of people. Um, it seems like we've missed that in these, not so much the first episode, but the, these next two seems like there are things that could have been done slightly different to appease a lot of people. So I don't know. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it was a, a sort of a grim reminder to me that even in the the er, when, er, even in the early '60s, by the time by the time I come into this story, um, 
there were still those who were racist and those of us who were not, but who were afraid to say that we weren't. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was also that there was just a lot of uh, keeping your head down. And I'm not, I'm not proud of that now, but that, Mm -hmm. but it, it, so, so I would say that's that. Those are a lot of the people that are in this episode. <laughs> the people who yeah. may not agree, but they're not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna argue with that cop. Yeah. Or that bus driver has got a gun on his hip. So, <laughs> which is another reason I thought they were gonna go that way with Blake because he mentions to Graham that you know it's not going to change. Nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. And so, so I thought that was a nugget for him. But, but, but again, nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not where they're going though. Yeah. You know, uh, Lee, you may have hit on something in the fact of they, in, in 1955, to not go with the norm or to speak out in public against the norm had repercussions. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's interesting to hear the three of us talking because again, as I said at the beginning of this episode, there's a 15 year gap one way or the other that you know, kind of ties the three of us in ages, mm-hmm. but even because society was changing so quickly, even in that gap of the three of our ages, society changed in different ways because there, I'm sure that there are things that Lee, you experienced that I being born almost in the mid seventies and 73 didn't mm-hmm. see. And you, Clarence, by being born at the end of the 70s, by the time you got, you know, out of toddlerhood or, in, you know, be, <laughs> being in as a teenager or whatever, didn't see because of when you were a teenager, you know, in the early 90s. So, you know, I, I, I just find that interesting. And, and I, and, you know, and I think the thing that kind of almost makes me emotional with this story, the more that I think of it is there, there are so many, Things that are a fundamental part of who I am that might have been different completely without this particular incident or incident, not incident, but this particular moment, this action and time mm-hmm. that has profoundly impacted who I am. Yeah. What Carrasco calls a little thing. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent uh, this weekend with the, all kinds of Star Trek fans. Another story <laughs> for another day. I got to get on discuss, discussing Trek and talk about this, but, uh, but yeah, just a lot of us, a lot of us telling Star Trek stories. And one of the stories that came to my mind that I hadn't thought about in a long time was that when I was in like uh, elementary school, uh, a lot of us guys on the playground were kind of playing tough and talking about the, the girls we like, but they're girls on TV. You know, these are not people that we have any actual contact with. <laughs> And it was, it was the, uh, for my generation, that's the, what we call the Ginger versus Marianne debate. So it's all about Gilligan's Island. And somebody put in a good word for Jeannie, and I dream of Jeannie. And, uh, somebody was championing the, um, April Dancer on, uh, uh the girl from Uncle. So, you know, every, people had this, you know, and, and they were, we were arguing about, you know, who, who is prettier, who is more attractive. I think you can see where this is going because, uh, this is really the first time I spoke up about something like this. I put in a word for Lieutenant Uhura. Oh. And got got the holy crap beaten out of me. Oh man! That's my first first black eye to come wow. home from school with. Yeah, and you Jesus. know I'm proud of that one. Uh, poor Nichelle Nichols has got uh, dementia now. You know she doesn't. It's it's kind of sad, and it means it closes the gap because I always wanted to tell her that story to tell her I'm I'm proud of that one. I stuck up for her. Damn it. 
<laughs> Good Ali, you're trying to make us get man tears over here, man. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. No, no, I was just going to kind of relate that to this this episode. And, you know, kind of if you know your history of, of what happens. I was just listening to Larry King live with Rose actually telling this very story. Of what happens at the end of this episode of, of how the, the back, t- the, the two colored seats were filled and there was a guy standing. And that is what made Blake tell them to move back and, and let the guy that was standing sit down. And we alluded to it earlier. Um, but just the horror. I mean, talk about emotional moments, just the horror of it being Graham as that guy standing up. That makes them move is I could feel all the emotion on his face at that moment. He just he he did a fantastic job on, on the reaction and the expression of his face because, man, I felt all of that. And while we were supposed to maybe feel sorry for Rosa, which we did, yeah, you know, we sure. have yeah. all of my emotional investment was in Graham at the very moment yeah. and just just beautiful, beautifully played. Okay, I'll take it one step further, and I agree with everything you just said, but it was nice to see a version of the doctor taking so much action by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, seriously, because, yeah. you know, right there, the form that the doctor was in at that moment had to be in that seat for history to happen. She's white, too. Yes. Yep. So but it is for, for Star Trek fans where a lot of us were thinking about sitting there forever, which you know, is it may be, which, you know, many people believe is the best episode of the original series. And it has the same problem, you know, for, for in order for the thing to happen, you're going to have to not do what you, what your heart tells you to do. Can you do it? <laughs> Can you in this moment of crisis? And so, so we just didn't expect Graham to be the one yeah. he didn't expect it. Yeah. I, I, Bradley Walsh. I just, I just keep being yeah. astonished by him. He's just, he's, I think he's just terrific. I don't want it to be me. Uh, yeah, right. The doctor just has to kind of just tell them, Graham, we got, we got to say you. Right. You don't have yeah. a choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, oh, <coughs> excuse me. I also liked the way that conversation between Rosa and Ryan had an impact because of the look she gives as she walks by the bus and she looks up and she sees him and kind of smiles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's very tiny, but yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, mm. yeah. And I, I just want to go back real quick to, to, to Lee's story <laughs> and, and just say that, you know, Lisa, he got, got into a fight over it. And as a, a race, black people owe a lot to, you know, you have these events where the civil rights movements, the, the protests, but we owe just as much to people who have done similar things. You know, going against their neighbor, uh, uh, standing up, you know, in, in normal situations where someone could have said something against a certain race and, and they were the person who said, nope, it stops here. We're not we're not having that. And without that, whether it be racism, whether it be uh, sexism or or, uh, or sexuality, any 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 type of thing where there is a group that is being oppressed um those people owe everything to the person who is maybe considered to be in the right or on the cool side of the matter or on the good side of the matter that spoke up and said you know what 
that's not right. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, that's my conviction. This is this is how the, this is how the big fight is won. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, those conversations one at a time. I was on a on a film shoot once that ran late into the night because of all things uh, Valentine's Day. We had started shooting on the thirteenth, and we were still there as it became the fourteenth. And it was a bunch of guys. And, and if you know anything about making movies, you know that there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And we were sitting there waiting while somebody else did something. And one of the guys started telling stories about you know what a pill and what a pain his wife is. And that started somebody else doing it. And so quickly, it looked like it was going to become us, the boys club, talking about, you know, what what pains in the neck our wives are. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends, he said, sorry, guys, my wife is an angel and I'm glad I have married her <laughs> and I'm not playing. Oh, man, that's and, great. And that gave me the courage to say, damn right. Oh, and that man. was the end of it. <laughs> All it takes sometimes is one person to shut it down. Yeah. You know? You know, because everybody else kind of said, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Thank God. That's that. right. <laughs> um, can I talk about the, the two things in this episode that bug me? Because I loved it so much. Sure. Go for it. Um, I, there is no reason in the whole world for the doctor, who has just said we're in the middle of an emergency, to pause and explain to Ryan how the, 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 the <laughs> temporal <laughs> displacement weapon works. Oh, God. Yes. Am I right? <laughs> You're totally right. I was like, that's hot. <laughs> mm. and, and I and I I do not want to try to put myself up as a writer against somebody like Mallory Blackman, but or Chris Chibnall. But I think I could have found a way to handle that differently. Um also um, my wife and I said something as we were watching. We, I, we like we were both saying it simultaneously. Why don't they put Crasco in a closet and lock him up? Yes. <laughs> and 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 it and it, it it does sort of raise the question. I mean, anytime that the solution is as simple as that, there, yeah. there we need to have a reason why they can't do that. I love the thing about why why Crasco can't just kill Rosa. That's brilliant. Yes. So really why is. couldn't there be a reason as elegant, as ingenious as that? Why they don't just handcuff him to something? You know, I mean, yeah. in story purposes, we know that's because then the story would be over. But. But I, I want an in-canon explanation about why they keep allowing him to be in the way. Uh, so, you know, those yeah. those are two kind of script things that really bugged me and, and why I can't call it a perfect script. But but my golly, the things about it that are right are yeah. so right. <laughs> so and and I'll just add uh, there's one moment when um, the doctor tells Crasco that, you know, she knows about his impairment uh, and he just straight up chokes her yeah. or starts to choke her. Yeah. And for me, that felt like a misstep. Um, not because he was trying to harm the doctor, uh, because, you know, people try to harm the doctor all the time. But mm. but maybe if he did a rear choker or something with his elbow, it just felt very, a little too visceral for uh, the I moment. I see what you mean. Because by now he knows it's not going to work. Yeah. Mm. Is he just trying to scare her? Yeah, I I just didn't like personally didn't like that image of the the guy with his arm out choking a woman. Well, no. I, I I I personally didn't like that. Yeah, um, not supposed to like. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But 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 maybe that was done specifically to show you what an ass this guy was. Well, <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So. um are there any other points of this story that either of you have curious? 
I just keep going back to Vanette Robinson's uh, performance as Rosa Parks. I, I know that voice and I, I know the stories about how Rosa carried herself and the way that she interacted with other people. And I feel like I've, I've spent, I spent an hour with Rosa. Yeah. I feel like that was her. Um, I, 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 she was really tiny is the only thing that Vanette is a lot taller than, than Rosa. So, and I guess I used to think that that meant that Rosa was kind of, um, she was just this sweet little woman. <laughs> but the more I read about her, the more I've learned about her, the more I've talked to, you know, people who had some contact with her, the more yeah, the, the moment that nails her, that, that, that nails this performance is when she says to Ryan, did your mother never teach you? Didn't teach you any manners? I'll take a yes, ma'am. Yeah. A no, ma'am. Whatever it is. Yeah. That's Rosa. And she, she was the kind of person, if a, if a big guy was following her down an alley, she would stop and say, you better not be following me. <laughs> so, you know, she, she was little, but she was not, uh, she, she was not a mouse. Mm. So it's a, it's a, it's a great performance. Like it's just, it's, it's something that we're going to remember in the history of the show, the way we talk about Vincent and the doctor, I think. Okay. Clarence, before we give our final, what, any other thoughts on the show? on this episode for you? Um, not in this episode in particular. I just feel like we've had very, uh, three very different episodes and I'm just excited to see what they do next. Cause man, I have no idea, but I'm always surprised at what they do. So yeah, here's for the next one. <laughs> well, I will say this, big spiders. Who yeah. And Kyle doesn't <laughs> like spiders. Just FYI. Oh boy. So, uh, Lee, I want to uh, ask you something. This was something that you had shared with us that I, wasn't quite familiar with or even familiar with, not quite even, uh, fanfare for the common man. You made a thank you. Comment. Yes. Tell me and tell us and tell our listeners about that. Shigan Akinola. Yes. Our, 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 our uh, composer for this season. Yeah. I think this is very deliberate and this is the place where you can start to, when you do the mix of this, you can start to sneak in some of Aaron Koblen's fanfare for the common man, which is one of the great pieces of American classical music. Um, 20th century. Yeah, you could argue whether or not it's classical music. Anyway, symphonic music. And Akadola wrote something that's very, very similar to that. And we heard it as sort of a theme for Rosa Parks. Um, so if you're a fan of, uh, for all, so all of us who are fans of, uh, uh Aaron Copeland, we had to hear that and think, Oh, fan for the, for the common man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. You know, they can't literally use fanfare for the common, but uh, he wrote something that was very much like it. And uh, so, yeah. So one of the musical highlights for me and Rise Up was definitely a, another. Yeah. yeah, it's a great song. Which I found really interesting. They did not have the closing music. They ha they played that song instead. Mm -hmm. And I've read people who love that today. And I've read people who said they ruined it. <laughs> the haters don't have any any degrees it's all off mm. or full you know it's a yeah this is a good episode until they ruined it with that song over the closing title so <laughs> all right and, uh, go ahead and, and also uh and i was just going to add and also uh artron artron energy is the new mm -hmm. tachyons um uh, in the dark universe that's just sounds like me mm. i think we you know, heard why we going on yeah oh yeah yeah we've definitely been saying artron energy for for a while that question yeah. for, for Dave or Lewis, I think, is have, doesn't that go back to the uh, uh, classic series? I think I so. I think so. Yeah, I'd, certainly, I'd it's been either. referenced many, many times. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've always been we've been saying that. Um, 
I um, sort of our this episode ends with us in space and um, the doctors very proudly points to the uh, asteroid Rosa Parks, which I knew is is a real thing. And I appreciate the point, but I don't really think that's it's 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 structured. So that seems like that's her ultimate achievement, which is it's not (laughs) because somebody else named it that I mean, that's a touching tribute, but. Uh, no. Yeah. No. I would have loved at that point if they would have opened the door and you would have seen some faraway planet at the Rosa Parks University or Rosa Parks Museum or something like that. That would have been cool. Right. Yeah. What I thought, there's no way to do this in, in, in two seconds on screen like this, but I think uh, her legacy, what I think of her legacy, one of the things I think of is there, there's a highway in, um, outside St. Louis, Missouri that, um, you know, the, the city would put up for adoption, you know, for people who will, you know, keep the, 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 the median clean and all that kind of stuff. And the Ku Klux Klan wanted to adopt it. Mm. And the city kind of struggled with how to respond to that because they, don't want to say no to anybody, you know, they're a civic organization. They say, you know, um, can we say no to the clan? Are we, you know, and somebody, I don't know who, but their masterful decision was to, to tell them, okay, you can adopt this highway, which we have just decided to rename the Rosa Parks highway. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And the clan backed down. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So I, let me say this, and, and then I think it'll be a good time to give our closing, you know, how many fives or how many fours yeah. or whatever. When we talk about legacy, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. There was a picture I found that I shared with the two of you that I will put in our show notes on this one. And I think uh, it will speak for itself. It's two of us, uh, two of the three of us uh-huh. on a trolley in 2018. And it's just a normal picture that never meant anything other than I thought it was a cool picture until I watched this episode. So I'll put it in the show notes. So there you go. That, and that in itself is legacy. Yeah. So, and you're both heavily backlit. So you look like you have halos too. Yeah. Or something something like that. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, you do. Yeah. And Uh, and put Rose's arrest picture in there too, because I always love that. I love that look on her face. Will do. Will do. All right. So, gentlemen, let's give our ratings. So, Clarence, I will start with you. One out of five or one to five. What say you? I'm going to go with a 4.8 for its historical significance. I think the doctor and friends have a fair amount of fun, as well as tackling many, many social, not social, historical um, civil rights issues that we all know about and maybe some knew vaguely about, but didn't know some of the details that are provided by this episode. So that's the reason for my uh, score. But I would, I did duck it just a few points for um, maybe the, the protagonist wasn't, <laughs> I enjoyed him very much. I liked how he executed what he was doing, but I just needed just a smidgen more backstory on his motivation. Okay. Lee, what say you? Yep. 4.8, all the same reasons. And, and those two little script things that that just, it, it, it should have been fixed. It should have. <laughs> but they weren't. So there you go. Hmm. All right. So for me, I'm going to give it a good solid 4.8 as well for everything that the two of you just said. I will agree with everything you, like I said, both just said. 
I mean, this was an episode, even though, yes, I did not like the antagonist. He was shallow and disgusting and all those things in between. But we could be, the best way I could say it is we can be two kinds of tired, but we can still rise up, and it's (laughs) 4.8. You're not going to see now, you can't. No, I'm, oh, trust me. Oh, no. No, thank you. I had my hopes up there. No, 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 no. So, guys, um, interesting review. I, I, I felt the feels several times. I kind of felt like I was off my game, but not because I didn't know what the story was. It was the story in itself kept taking control. So that in mm. itself, maybe I want to make it a 4.9 uh, because it, it, it kept bringing me back into the story. So, so I'm going to change it. I'm going to give it a 4.9 for, for adding that little bit of mm. added to it. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, Clarence, if anyone is listening and wants to find out more about where they can find you on the net, where might that be? I'll just say head on over to DiscussingTrek.com, where we talk about all the Star Trek Discovery happenings, in addition to other Trek news and reviews. So check us out there. All right, Mr. Shackelford. As always, I'll point people towards my currently on hiatus uh, radio drama serial Relativity, and you find out all about that at RelativityPodcast.com. Also going to do a shout out right now to StarTrekContinues.com. Encourage people to go over there and see what those good people have been doing. I had the pleasure of seeing the last two episodes, and they will be the last two episodes of Star Trek Continued with the creators of the show in a, in a big auditorium with a big crowd this weekend, and it was uh, pretty emotional. So, uh, yeah. yeah, man, I've been I've been holding off on the last two because I'm going to be sad. <laughs> it's uh, it, well, you'll enjoy them, though. <laughs> there, there are plenty of cool surprises in them. But uh, but the, but the big news is that um, when, when we went away, the, the Vic and the other uh, creators of the of that show, they said, if we would ask you one thing, you know, in return for what we, we hope you've gotten tonight is tell everybody, just say to people. StarTrekContinues.com. So I'm keeping my promise. There it is. Do you feel, Rosa, that this movement has been a success? It has uh, made, we have made uh, many improvements from way back there when we had legally enforced racial segregation. But we still have many challenges to face and we have many uh, problems to solve. Do you have faith? Yes, I still have faith that it is possible. Of the egg, I will rise a thousand times.